Amen. That's a comforting thought, isn't it? This is my Father's world. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad the sin has corrupted it, it's still God's world. And there is coming a day where He will reclaim His world completely. And we look forward to that. That plays in certainly to our study as we look at God's prophetical times. And so if you'll turn to your Bibles, Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, I'd reiterate, children will be up here at the close. So take some good notes and uh, listen carefully as we delve into our study this evening. Just kind of bring us up to speed. It's been a couple weeks and so forth, uh, this third part that we're in. We start off in looking at our series, noting that God has appointed times for the summer, appointed times for winter, and there's signs and things that we can witness, we can observe, um, that indicate that it'll be here soon. The same is true of God's prophetical times on His prophetical calendar, as we noted, okay? Um, one is such as Mark 13 in verse 28. Christ used that fig tree, and as He used the fig tree, He said, so in like manner, He's talking about the leaves of the fig tree and so forth. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. So a challenge to you and I, as we'll see even this evening in a, a, um, scriptures that we'll look at, the, the challenge is for you and I, as Christ said here, you can know the times as the Bible would define them, and in the sense and extent that it defined them. Then we looked at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. It said this, when the fullness of time was come, and God sent forth his Son, okay? And so we saw, number one, the first time Christ arrived and died at God's appointed time. On his timeline, and uh, this kind of us in for you and I, um, the very important time frame along his timeline. And uh, we said Romans chapter 5 or 6 called it the due time, the appointed time, and God gave indicators. God gave signs. God uh, sent indicators towards that end. We said Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1, behold, I will send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek and, and so forth and so on. And we saw who was that messenger is John the Baptist, right? Matthew chapter 11, Jesus himself confirmed that John was the fulfillment of Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. Likewise, John himself made it clear as we looked at the passage in John chapter 1 verses 19 through 24. John the Baptist uh, identified himself uh, even with Zacharias' father's prayer or his proclamation, I should say, his proclamation after John was born. He he said likewise. And then I think probably the surest one there is Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. God's word leaves no doubt that John the Baptist was the fulfillment of the prophecy, and he was the sign indicated, the sign given to indicate that Jesus Christ was going to come at that appointed time. The fullness of time was come, and that God sent forth his son, and that was the indicator of it. Sadly, many refused to see the signs, right? Most of Israel did. And they refused to acknowledge, all right, this is the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. This is the one that God has promised to redeem us, our Redeemer. They refused to see it. Secondly, then, we looked at Luke chapter 21 and 24. Do you remember the reference there? It talks about until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So number two, we saw that the times of the Gentiles is happening now. So currently, we're in this time. In fact, we'll see tonight we're in, there's some concurrent times on God's timeline that are going on, but one is such here, the times of the Gentiles. And uh, 
as Christ gave us verse 24, he spoke about the decimation of Jerusalem, and that would come to be fulfilled in partial in just a couple decades. And it's one of those verses that has multiple um, um, fulfillment of prophecy, at least dual, uh, but likely um, they're multiple. It was a preliminary partial fulfillment of Christ's prophetical words. Then we looked in that passage at verse 20, and we saw that in that day, the day that is coming, as God unleashes his judgment on the entirety of the earth, uh, the verse will be further fulfilled as Jerusalem will be surrounded by her enemies and uh, the um, hostile armies and such. And remember in that passage, Christ gave the warning to escape to the mountains, escape fast there, and uh, Jerusalem will fall bitterly. Now, what I like is we'll study it in this series, but the reality is they will do so at the hands of the Antichrist and the beast, and yet at the same time, that is mingled with God's judgment on all the earth and on Israel for their lack of belief their lack of faith. And so that will happen in that time. And then that happening, the culmination of it, will be the designation of the end of the times of the Gentiles, okay? The fulfillment of the times of the Gentiles. It'll be a sign that one time's coming to a close and that the next time of Christ's return and future judgment of earth is coming, okay? And uh, we, as we said, as we live now in the times of the Gentiles, we've seen century after century after century, Israel and Jerusalem trodden down by the Gentiles, okay? And we ask the question, so what does that mean for us? If we've seen that, if we live now in the times of the Gentiles, and again, we're just quickly reviewing what we've covered thus far, but if that is, what does it mean for us? Well, we looked at Romans chapter 11. If you remember, as we did, we looked at several verses, and we saw that Paul was essentially showing here in the book of Romans what he was doing, I should say, was sharing with all who will listen the so great salvation we have in Christ. That is really the thrust of the time of Gentiles. It is a time where the the good news is to be shared abroad and and shared with um, the entire world. The good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is mercy from God available to all. And uh, as we stated it in that study, this is time of the Gentiles is a glorious time for us to be spreading the mercy of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we don't know exactly when the events of the end of the time will usher in the end of this time, uh, the Gentiles, we ought to be about our father's business there's a lost world that needs to hear of the mercy of God in heaven. And that is why we made this statement, and here's where we finished a couple weeks ago. All prophecy is given not simply for knowledge's sake, but to elicit an active response from those who understand it and believe it. Now that opens the door for our study tonight, because that is essentially where we want to focus in for a little bit. Because in just two chapters later, Paul would speak of the impact of our knowledge of these truths uh, that they should have on us as believers. Okay, look with me, if you will. Romans chapter 13, we look at verse number 11, and notice the statement here, if you will. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Okay, a lot to think about uh, in this verse. Let's read it one more time. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. So if you're sleeping right now, would you just wake up? That would be wonderful. I'd appreciate that. That'd be a great application of the verse in this moment. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Okay, a lot to take about. Let me ask you this. Has someone ever asked you what time is it? 
Okay? Maybe your parents or somebody, you know, someone's asked you, hey, what time is it? Okay? Or maybe just someone at work, somewhere else has asked you, maybe a fellow, a classmate has asked you, uh, a little students, uh, hey, what time is it? And maybe they think you had a watch on or, or, or a phone handy or whatever the case may be, and they ask you what time it is. Well, most of us have had it. Have, I don't know about you, but in classic dad fashion, my children have asked me that at times. You know what I've said, right? It's time to get a watch. Good. Yeah, many of you like me. That's good to hear, Okay. Hey, what time is it, Dad? It's time to get a watch. What are we saying by that simple, uh, goofy statement, a dad joke, if you want to put it that way, or a dad response? What are we saying by that? Well, if you think it through in that little statement, we're, we're saying make provision to know the time yourself. We're in context of what we're saying here. Make, know when the season it is. Now, um, the calendars tell us the month and the, the seasons or the days Clocks tell us the time, don't they? You know, interestingly, technically, it's still summer. Now, I don't know about you, but it sure feels like it, right? Next few days, it's going to feel like summer. That'll be summer until September 23rd. That's when it turns to fall, okay? And I've already been told um, that I am not dressed appropriately because I am pre-Labor Day dressing in my colors and things like that, okay? So if you follow the fashion gurus, um, anyway, so nonetheless, yeah, calendars are good, right? So uh, summer doesn't end until September 22nd at 11.59 p.m., and then fall hits us, right? And uh, so we look at calendars to find that out. Now, practically speaking, uh, when I ask you what time is it, what would you do? Well, you'd look at the clock to know what time it is. Maybe you pull out your, your phone. Maybe you, you're wearing a watch. You'd do that. If I asked you what date it was, you, you would look at a calendar, right? You, you look at maybe even your phone that gives the date, the calendar up above me, something like that to find or confirm the date. Now, notice the first statement of the verse. It is challenging you and I as believers that we have a responsibility to do what? Know the time. Know the time. If you're at work and, and as you're an employee and the, the boss gives you a response, hey, at this time I want you to do this. And so you need to know the time so that you can do exactly what is necessary. If you're a student and uh, the teacher says, all right, in 15 minutes at such and such time on the clock, we are going to do this. You need to know the time. That's essentially what you and I are being told in this verse as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, knowing that God has a great plan that's going to roll out and is being rolled out, you and I are challenged. We ought to have the responsibility, or we have the responsibility, to know the time. Now, it isn't a time that the clock can tell us. It's not a time, uh, it's not a day that the calendar says, or even the year that it gives us, whether you and I are supposed to know the time on God's prophetical timeline, His plan for the world. What does that mean? It means that you and I must look to the only source that can tell us what time it is. So we know what time it is, okay? So we look to the only source that can do so. Okay, uh, and then we know what time it is. We make sure that we are aware of that and then how it should impact me and my living. Now, can I just encourage you this? Those of you who are maybe my generation, I just let you know, if you drive down the interstate and you see a billboard that says Christ is coming on this date, don't follow it. Just good advice. Okay, uh, that's not from the Bible. That's not what the Bible says about the time. If you come up to me tonight and you say, Pastor Henry, I, I heard what you said, but I read on Facebook that Jesus Christ is coming September 4th, 2023. That's tomorrow. I'm probably not going to believe you. You say, Pastor Henry, I saw this on Google. <laughs> I Googled it. I saw it on the Internet, so it must be correct. In fact, I saw it on Fox News, so it's got to be correct. <laughs> It says, hey, it's, he's coming here. I'm not going to believe you. Why? Because there's only one source for you and I to look at to find out what's coming up on God's timeline. 
And that's God's word, okay? So that's crucial. So that's why in the scriptures we hear and we are told your responsibility to know the time, okay? In fact, there would be times when we as adults will tell our children, you watch the clock, don't go past this time or make sure you get it done by this time. Know the time. That's literally what we're being told here. And so we have to look at the source. It would not help you to look at the calendar if you need to know what time of day it is, right? That doesn't work. Okay, so make sure you're looking at the right source when we're talking about and we're instructed. We've got to know the time. God's word alone must be the source of the knowledge of the times ahead. And as we've done that already, as we talked about Christ's appointed time to come, we talked about the time of the Gentiles right now, and uh, we, we want to add another time that we are currently in. Now, this would not be one that you find typically on God's timelines as people present them. However... I think it is crucial, and I think it is in the Scriptures, so you and I observe this time. What is it? Okay? It's the time presented here in Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. I call it this, or scratch that, Paul would call it this. It is high time for every believer. It is high time. Now, I like that little description, that phraseology. It's something we're familiar with, right? Okay? If somebody in your house today, in preparation from church, this morning and tonight said this, it's time to go. That's literally what's saying here. It's high time. It's, it, it, the hour has come. The time is upon us. And in this t- time, God, in this case, God is saying what? It is time to wake up. Wake up. Stop sleeping. Don't slumber anymore. It's time to wake up. The hour is here. The time has come to wake up. Now, this past week, the past two weeks, uh, our students, many of you students here, you had to go to that wonderful thing called school, right? And maybe you've been sleeping in all summer, but this past week or the past couple weeks uh, changed all of that. You experienced uh, the jolt of realizing it's time to awake, right? And that was either an alarm or a parent coming. And they were getting your attention. They're trying to wake you up. And uh, certainly they did. Why are they trying to wake you up? Well, it's time to get ready for something. In case of students, what? It's time to get ready for school. The, the time when school starts, 8, 8.30, 8.15, whatever the case may be. Whatever that is, it's time to wake up and get ready for it. If it was your mom, and it's probably most of, it, most of the time it was, she probably said something to the effect of, Honey, it's time to wake up and get ready. It's time to get out of bed. And then maybe by the second, third, fourth, fifth time, they turned on the lights and pulled you out of bed. But anyway, that just may be a personal problem. But um, hey, it's time to get up. It's time to get ready. It's time to, to get going here. Can I just tell you what, what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 13 and in verse 11 is the same thing. Spiritually speaking, we are told spiritually here, wake up. Why ought we to wake up? Because we know the time. And if we know the time, we got to get ready. It's time to get ready. It's time to prepare. It's time to do what is necessary for the time that is upon us. And I like this statement. Paul, uh, Paul says, it's high time. It's, it's time to wake up. Hey, you don't have time to lose. We've got to get up. We've got to get ready. Literally is what he's saying. The hour has come and we need to awake spiritually to what is going on and what God would have us to do. Okay? When that annoying alarm clock went off, and maybe for you as parents for work, and uh, that alarm clock went off, and, and or for the children and your parents woke you up, why did they do it? Well, well they understood, and even your, your alarm clock, you set it at the specified time in order to make sure you had time to get ready. When your parents woke you up for school, they, uh, parents are very knowledgeable, Okay. Uh, parents know, okay, i got to get this kid up at this time and this kid up at this time because this kid takes a lot more time to get ready. Don't we know that, parents? 
and I really need to wake them. They are slow starters in the morning. And this kid, I just need to wake them up, and they can go. It's great, okay? There's different kids, different ways. So they, they know. Can I tell you right now that God is saying to you and I, it is time to wake up and get prepared for what's coming. Christ's return and all that follows after it. And there's no time to waste. There's no time uh, to be late. Uh, there's no time to, 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 to waste on other things. It's, it's time to ensure that we are ready. See, the question would be, and, and certainly we would ask ourselves, even, uh, you, you ever wake up in the morning and you're not all there? You ever have to look at your, your phone sometimes and say, okay, what day is it? Or ask your wife or your husband or ask your mom and dad. And in fact, Ryan uh, came in and I think it was today. He goes, is this Saturday? I'm like, no, it's Sunday. Get ready. <laughs> it's time to get ready, right? It's time to get dressed for church and things like that. And yeah, it's easy to forget, isn't it? It's easy for you right after you wake up. And that's literally what he's saying here. We'll, we'll see in a moment. What does he say? Well, here's the point. Don't miss it. Okay? You and I are spiritually to wake up. We're supposed to wake up because we know the time. And we know the time. What is the time? Well, what does the rest of the verse say? That your salvation is nearer than when we believed. Now, that can be a, 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 a cumbersome statement. That my salvation is nearer than when I believed it. It's almost there. Well, what, in the, what, in the, what kind of salvation is he speaking of? Now, that's a good question. So, if I believed, as the verse states, if you and I have trusted in Christ, aren't I already saved? We might ask that. Say, well, what does he mean if, if he says, you know, knowing the time, it's high time that we awake, for our salvation is nearer than when we believe. But if I've already believed, I'm already saved. What does that mean? And so children may struggle with that. Teenagers may not quite understand what he's saying. It helps us to remember that in the New Testament, there are three tenses to our salvation. Three tenses to our salvation. Just like the, the past, the present, and the future. Okay? When we speak or, or reference in relation to the past, our salvation is from the penalty of sin. So when we think of the past, it is in relation to the penalty of sin. That, that, that as I trusted in Jesus Christ, as I put my faith and trust in him, he has saved me from the penalty of sin. For the wages of sin is death. Okay, so he has saved me from that penalty. He has saved me from having to pay those wages. That's what happened in the past as I trusted in Jesus Christ. Well, in the present, in relation to that in the New Testament, Paul would speak a lot to it, but certainly the entirety of the New Testament, you and I are saved from the power of the presence of sin. So right now, I no longer have to yield my members into, to sin. I, I no longer have to give in to the old flesh and do what the flesh wants. Boy, now I can choose to yield to Jesus Christ. I can say goodbye to sin and, and avoid it with the Holy Spirit's help and the grace of God. I don't have to sin today. It doesn't have to be in my life today. And we owe that to Jesus Christ and our salvation. So that's in the present. In the future, oh, what a glorious day it will be when you and I will be saved. And uh, excuse me, let me back up. I said present. The, the, the present is the power of sin in my life. I don't have to give in to it. In the future, you and I will be saved from the presence of sin. In other words, this world that represents a sin-stained, sin-fallen, sin-corrupted world. Uh, it will be a glorious day when you and I are removed from sin completely. 
We're taken away from this place. You and I get to go to heaven. So in the past, the penalty of sin. In the present, the power of sin. I don't, I don't have to any, any longer yield to it. It doesn't have to control me. I, I don't have to allow sin to reign in my mortal body anymore. I'll let Jesus Christ reign. But the day is coming where I, that struggle, that temptation will be no more. And you and I will be in a place called heaven where there is no sin. And that is exactly what this verse is speaking of. The day of your salvation is nearer than when you believe. Every time you and I pillow our head and we wake up, we are one day closer. I've told you before, I have no idea why I have it, but on my phone many years ago, I downloaded an app that counts down the days to Christmas. It has become more of a thorn in my flesh than anything. Do you realize here in September how close we are to Christmas? And everything that comes with, and for me, it's all the ministry stuff and everything else. And it's, I'm telling you what, it'll be here, and it counts down the days, all right? You and I as parents, we may be dreading it, and the kids are looking forward to it, just counting down the day, day by day. And, and let's be honest, when we wake up tomorrow morning, if Christ doesn't come back, we are one day closer to Christmas 2023. But so much more important, so much greater. Every day you and I wake up on earth, we're one day closer to being in heaven with our God. Your salvation is nearer than when we believe. I love that statement. And the fact is this, that event has a name for us as believers. It's called the rapture. And this series, we'll study it, that doctrine of the rapture and such. But for the moment, could we just put it this way? Because that day is nearer, and whether it be by death or by rapture, we're instructed to both be aware of the time, and that should say be both aware of the time and awake to how we are to be ready for it, okay? So aware and awake. Know the time, aware, be aware of it, but also be awake to it, okay? Parents, have you ever tried to dress one of your kids when they're asleep? Not fun. It's a good struggle, right? Have any of you adults, have you tried to get dressed in the, when you're asleep? Put something wrong, forget your belt. I've done that. <laughs> okay, buttons off. So, I mean, it's just, something does not go right when you're just, you're just not awake and you're trying to get ready. Can I tell you right now, spiritually, we'll see it both tonight and next week, especially. There's a whole lot of Christians that really aren't awake to what's going to happen. And Christ Himself would challenge us about that. We'll see it probably more so next week. There's three attitudes that Christ uh, addressed among us, among the world, as we look ahead to future times, and certainly Christ's return, the judgment of the entirety of the earth. And there's attitudes that can creep in, attitudes we can give way to that, that really cause us to slumber or sleep, not to be awake of what's coming. So if we're going to be aware of the time and awake to how we're to be ready for it, it necessitates both the knowledge of the time, because I can't be ready for it if I don't know about it. I, I, I have knowledge of the time and the attentive awareness in preparation for the time. Okay, you make sure you put on this, make sure you put on this. The awareness to it, okay, that's crucial. There's a teacher in a, in a, in a classroom that was going over vocabulary. The, the kids were not very uh, into it, as you can imagine, probably an afternoon class or right after lunch. If you're a teacher, you understand what I'm saying. Right after lunch, oh, the, the doldrums kind of set in. And uh, in that class, the teacher's going over vocabulary. And that's probably, you know, 1% of America's favorite thing to do, to all students. And so going over vocabulary, going over words, the class wasn't very much in tune. And so she asked the question, she asked the question, 
question, and, and uh, <laughs> I always find it humorous. What is the difference between ignorance and apathy? Okay, she asked for a volunteer, and no one, all, no one volunteered. No one raised their hand. And, and anyone? Anyone? And there's a poor little boy there in the front row. He's kind of hanging his head low, hoping that she wouldn't pick on him. And sure enough, she called on that little boy. And with a huff and a sigh, and you could tell he didn't want to answer, he simply said this, I don't know, and I don't care. And to his surprise, teacher said, that's exactly right. Well done. Why? Because that's what it is. That's what it is, right? What, what's the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know. That's ignorance. And apathy, I don't care. Apathy and ignorance. See, ignorance is not knowing. Apathy is honestly not caring. Textbook definition, if you want it, Webster would say that uh, not, uh, apathy is the feeling of not uh, having much emotion or interest. Apathetic, right? Apathy. Now, can I tell you, sadly, there is an attitude among too many Christians, those who claim the name of Christ today, about future events. Specifically, in the uh, idea of, okay, I know the time, and now I need to be aware to it, and I need to be prepared for it. We don't know exactly. I can't tell you when the rapture will happen. I, I remember as a child sitting in a pew like many of our children here, and I, I remember hearing messages on it. I remember watching very old videos about the, the end times and things like that and scaring me half to death. Uh, and uh, so I, I remember that. I remember people talking about, oh, the rapture's going to come in my generation, and as they said and so forth. I get that. And, and no man really knows fully. Yet the signs of the time sure do give indication. We get that, okay? So I can't tell you when the rapture is. And because of that, there are people who say, well, if we just don't know when the rapture is, and uh, they kind of become apathetic to it. I don't care. I, I don't really need to get ready. Uh, I, you know, I, they don't care. They don't care to know. They're unprepared. The nearness, or as we would describe it, the imminent return of Christ in their eyes, is irrelevant. It's of little interest. Yet, the Bible is clear, both in this passage in Romans 13 and others, you and I are called to be both knowledgeable, aware of the time, and also awake to it. Now, I'm going to ask for some honesty here. I want you to be honest with me. How many of you have ever slept through your alarm? Good, thank you. I appreciate your honesty. How many of you have ever hit the snooze button? multiple times keep it up okay thank you yeah me too i'm up there how many of your children okay teenagers on down how many of your teenagers mom and dad have woken you up and you went back to sleep whoa shame on you we're gonna have a class in school on this goodness that's a bunch of hands right that's easy to do isn't it yeah it's easy to go right back to sleep it's easy to hit that snooze button it's easy just to in that sense just to yeah get through that and sadly, many Christians are doing it with the imminent rapture or the return of Christ. You know what happens? We hear messages about the rapture. We hear messages about Christ's imminent return, and we just kind of hit the snooze button. We hit the snooze button. We maybe sleep through it spiritually. Yeah, yeah, I know there's a rapture. I, I know the end times are going to happen. I've read Revelation. I, I, I'm kind of aware of it. And yet, you know what we read in the New Testament all throughout it? We are told time and time again, awake, be ready, be prepared, look to the sky. 
Be ready for the blessed hope of Jesus Christ. Be laboring, be found faithful. And the point is clear. It's kind of how we started out or ended our review, started out this evening's message is simply this. Future truth should impact present responsibility. Future truth, and we have the truth, and aren't you thankful tonight you have the truth? Aren't you thankful tonight we have the word of God, thy word is truth, and so we have it. We have the knowledge of the times that are coming, and so future truth should impact our present responsibility. In other words, my friends, there ought to be a spiritual urgency to our walk. Christ could come back tomorrow, and boy, I want to be found faithful. I want to be found ready. I, I want to be ready for that judgment seat where I stand before him, an urgency to our walk. There ought to be an inspired determination. I may only have days. I may only have months. I may only have a year left to serve my Savior before he comes back to heaven, and then I get to enjoy all of heaven. So it's an inspired determination to serve him. And then there ought to be a biblical sober-mindedness to the decisions and choices we make. Have you ever thought that the choice you make today in just a few short hours or days you could be standing before God Almighty giving an answer for why you made that choice? Giving an account. So it demands a sober-mindedness. I'm going to give an account. The Bible is clear. Of our time here on earth, I'll have to give an account of it. So if God's return, Christ's return is very imminent, at the end times and all that flows from that is, is very close at hand and us taking to heaven, then it ought to move me to be sober-minded in my decisions and choices. It's such a big deal that a long time before Romans 13 was written, Jesus Christ warned of at least three attitudes that we could have as we look to the end time. And we'll get into those next week. If you'll join me in standing, we'll quit for this evening. And uh, 